0: There are times when I've been in certain Christian circles that I've been accused of not understanding grace. However, I would just say that I have a very different understanding of grace than some Christian circles and even popular theology as a whole. Now, I can read to you guys every single definition of grace, but it's gonna take a minute because there are over seven definitions that pop up when you pull it up on Google, and that's only in the noun form. However, I will read to you what the origin of the word is and in Latin, and I may not pronounce this right because I don't speak Latin, but it is gratis, which means something that is pleasing and something that is thankful, grateful. That is what grace is, something that is pleasing. Now, I think it's very important that we don't confuse this grace with mercy because grace has little to nothing to do with compassion and forgiveness now they can go hand in hand it can have to do with compassion but they still remain two separate concepts so what is this grace that we speak of what about grace well you are going to find that grace is an absolute necessity for our Christian walk it's not just about our salvation but it's about our continuous growth as a disciple So, without further ado, as always, put on your spiritual scuba diving gear because we are about to dive deep. My name is Amani Akins, and this is yet another episode of the Deeper Waters podcast by Piscata Squirrels. Jude is a simple book, just one chapter. But it's very different than many other books, not just because of the length of the book, but also because of the opening and the introduction of the book. He doesn't say grace be unto you as many of the other books and many writings of Paul say be unto you or be multiplied unto you. He doesn't say grace, but what does he say? So let's read. So starting with verse one, it says Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James To them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Mercy, that forgiveness that we were talking about, that compassion, peace, we know what peace means, and love that we've talked about the definition of love one too many times, maybe, but it's very important to understand what love is in God, that following and obedience to God. I wonder why he said that. Picking up in verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is one of the main points of his book, and we're going to continue to read throughout this, but perhaps that's the reason why he didn't mention grace because he wants to talk about it, he wants to talk about the fact that people have changed what. Grace truly is into lasciviousness, which is lawlessness, which is, and I believe we covered this in one of the earlier seasons of this podcast. But that same Greek word that is used for lasciviousness is the same word that is used for being sensual and being wanton. People have changed what grace means into something that is lawless, something without rules and denying the order that God has set. So what else does Jude have to say? From this point. So picking up with verse five, it says, "I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that God, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward, destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day even as sodom and gomorrah and the cities about them in that like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for in an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh despise dominion and speak evil of dignities yet michael the archangel when contending with the devil he disputed about the body of Moses durst not bring against him a railing accusation but said not I rebuke you but the Lord rebuke thee but these speak evil of those things which they know not but what they know naturally as brute beasts and those things they corrupt themselves woe unto them for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and for and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. These are spots in your feasts of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds are they without water carried about of winds, trees whose fruits withered without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea foaming out their own shame wandering stars to whom reserve is reserved the blackness of darkness forever and Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying behold the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his Saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and all their hard speeches which is ungodly sinners which ungodly sinners have spoken against them these are murmurers complainers walking after their own lusts in their own mouth speaketh great swelling words having men's persons and admiration because of the vintage. but beloved remember the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ How that they told you there should come, there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the spirit. So instead of being spiritual, they're sensual, they're in the flesh. But beloved, building up, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of of god looking for the mercy of our lord jesus christ unto eternal life and some have compassion making a difference and others save with fear pulling them out of the fire hating even the garment spotting but spotted by the flesh now unto him that is able to keep you from falling into the present Present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. So there's so much that Jew talked about in this chapter. Well, in this book, because this book is only one chapter. We see in the last days, there's going to be people who pervert grace, that change what it really is into something that it's not. And they're not just going to be any kind of people. These people are ordained of old. They came to this earth with this one purpose. And they're not just going to be people who sound foolish, but they're going to be deceptive. They're going to seem spiritual, but they're going to be in the flesh. They're going to have big and swelling words, words that would make people like them. They're going to be great orators. They're going to sound great but they're ending thereof the end of their actions is going to lead to death the end of their actions is gonna to lead to your destruction if you follow them so this is the danger of misunderstanding grace grace is not a license to sin and though some people say that the way that they describe it they describe it in such a manner but what does Hebrews 10 say about grace Now, we have to remember that Hebrews was written to the Hebrews who were going from one covenant to another, and they had an issue with their faith. So temporarily, we're going from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum when it comes to faith. One end is lawlessness and one end is serving God out of the flesh and out of the law, but not truly operating out of grace. So starting with verse one, it says for the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect for then what they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should not have to had no more conscience of sin. So they keep bringing sacrifices to cover their sins and they're working, they're laboring, but they're not getting victory because they have to keep doing the same things. They're not operating out of grace. So picking up in verse three, but in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance made, remembrance again, made of sins every year for, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me, and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in, the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above all, he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings, and offering for sin thou wouldst not, neither hadst thou pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then he said, said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. So this is talking about the changing from the covenants. Verse 10, it says, by the which the will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So this sacrifice, this grace, we're going to get more into that as we read this chapter, changed everything about the covenant. So now there's no longer a need for a physical sacrifice. So, picking back up in verse 11, and every priest standeth daily ministering and offering, oftentimes the same sacrifice which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that, he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds. Will I write them in their sins and their iniquities? Will I remember no more? So this covenant has changed instead of doing things from the outward they're doing it from the inwards from their soul from their heart and their mind so picking back up in verse 18 now where remission of these is there is no more offering for sin having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of jesus by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through that through the veil, that is to say his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. Now we're talking about heart. Now we're talking about the internal, not the external heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from a evil conscience and a bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised and let us consider one another to provoke one another unto love and to unto good works. So we still see here in verse 24 that we need to work in love and in good works. The fact that the thing changed from an outward thing to an inward thing doesn't change the fact that we still have to do good works in this covenant. In this covenant, we still have to be obedient. We still have to follow after him. So love, obedience, and good works. We still have to work in this kingdom. We still have to work under this covenant. However, it is not about some vain repetition. It's not about going through some sort of tradition or a ritual, but it's about what happens within our heart. So now this is no longer just a vain process of rituals, but it's about moving with the full sincerity of our heart in obedience to God so verse 25 not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together church is important not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching for if we sin wilfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins but a certain fearful looking for the of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy unto two or three witnesses of how much sore punishment suppose ye that thought worth worthy to have trodden under foot the son of God and have counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the spirit of grace for we know him that hath said vengeance belongeth to me and i will recompense saith the lord and again the lord shall judge his people it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living god but call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated and endured a great fight of afflictions partly willest ye were made a gazing stock both by reproaches and afflictions and partly willis ye became companions with them that were so used for ye had compassion of me in my bonds and ye took joyfully in the spoiling of your goods knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance cast not away therefore Your confidence, which ye hath great recompense of reward, for ye have need of patience, that ye after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but any man, if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Notice it said pleasure. But we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So there's a lot in here. And I encourage you guys to read that again if you weren't reading along. And even if you did read along, I still encourage you guys to read that again because there's a lot that was packed into this little bit. So we see the covenant change from the old Testament to the new Testament that occurred when Christ gave himself as a sacrifice. Now we no longer look at the outward and just the vain repetitions and doing things just to do things. But now we do things from the heart. Now we see that also when we look from verses about 27 through 29 that there's there was no mercy that was shown unto people. Who transgress the law but there's even less mercy that's going to be shown to people who trample on this grace so grace is not a get-out-of-jail-free card so so it's going to be a bad thing if we trample this grace if we take this grace for granted it also encourages us as we read on to the end not to go backwards not to go backwards from this covenant into old ways and also good to go backwards into the ways of our sin and go backwards and go into the ways of doing things not from the heart and not from the mind and love and in good works to God but instead it encourages us to go forward that we will receive the promises of God. So we need this grace in order to receive the promise. We need this grace because it talks about even here that we will endure different afflictions that we may be made a reproach. We may be made a gazing stock in front of people. So we're going to need this grace. We're going to need some strength to go through that, to get to the promise. So it doesn't necessarily guarantee that life is going to be easy because we have this grace, but it gives us the strength to have patience. To continue on toward this reward now I want to pivot here for a slight second and I want you to think about this how would you get grace from a king how would you get grace from your father how would you get grace from a supervisor you would get grace from doing what they said you can grow in grace you can lose grace you can trample on grace there is a reason why It is called grace through faith. That's the reason why it's said it that way. It's not even just about works because works can be be vain. Works can be done ritualistically and not from the heart, but it's about obedience from the heart. So right now, if I could characterize the operation of grace in this way, and hopefully it would kind of give a revelation and a perspective that you may not have considered or reinforce a perspective that. I believe it's a biblical way of looking at it. So about two episodes ago, we have released the episode talking about the voice of God. And that's all that God ever wanted, right? So if I could characterize him in this way, the operation of grace, God wants to speak into your life. Many different promises, salvation, deliverance, favor, you name it. He wants to speak certain things into your life. Now, I'm not talking about you name it like the. He's going to give you all sorts of blessings according to your timing. He just wants to bless you. He wants to give you different things that he knows that you need. And maybe he just wants to bless you because you deserve a blessing in his eyes. But you name it. God wants to give you something. But here's the problem. He wants to speak these things into your life. But when he said, let there be light into the world in the very beginning, it happened. But when God told you to listen to give your tithes, you didn't. When he told you to stop lying, obey your parents, or even something simple he impressed on your heart, like put the burger down, I love to say that one, put the burger down, or take that off. When he impressed that thing on your heart, or if he told you something specifically in the book, you didn't do it. So why, I'll even further expound on this. So why do you think God, would want to destroy the earth that he created. I would argue he doesn't want to destroy the earth. He doesn't want to destroy his creation, but he wants to destroy what is the function and confusion because it's going to destroy itself anyway. God said the the light was good because it listened to his voice, but what is getting destroyed on the earth in the end of the time and it's going to, be made new heaven's going to be made new earth is going to be made new people are going to be made new and made good and perfect and whole because it listens to what he said but anything that doesn't is going to be burned up because it didn't listen that's what it's about it's not functioning properly obedience is about more than just listening to god but it's about functioning properly functioning in the destiny functioning in the proper position and all of creation and all of the universe and all of eternity, you have a specific position that you are placed in and you have to function properly. This is why God will not speak into some of our lives. This is why God doesn't even want to hear some of you guys prayers. And this even applies to me. I know I've been in this position. It's just simply not going to work. It's not that God isn't able to speak and God is not in control. But he's not going to speak certain things into your life because even if he did, it's not going to come out the way that it should because you are not going to be in compliance with it. You don't comply when he, when he wants you to obey something. So he's not going to bless that. And if he, even if he did bless it, the blessing isn't going to work out. It's not going to be taken care of because you aren't operating in the way that the blessing needs the way he needs you to operate for that blessing to function. So if he speaks something into your life, you're not even functioning right. If you're not functioning right, like I said, it's not going to work. It's not that he's not able to do any of this, but in order to allow your free will, he allows you to have what you want. And if he allows you to have what you want and it's not what he wants, then you're not going to get everything that you need. First Samuel 15, through through 23 says the following And Samuel said, and this is talking to King Saul, who was appointed king, he was anointed king, and he was already the king, but he wasn't being obedient to what God said. And he made a sacrifice to God. He thought he was doing something great because even though he was disobedient, he made a sacrifice to God and he did all this great stuff for him, even though he didn't do the simple thing God told him to do. So this is what Samuel said to him. Uh, verse 22 it says, And Samuel said, Hath a the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. So we see here just as you can gain grace. He didn't deserve necessarily to be king. He just happened to be who God wanted to use. But just as you can gain grace, you can lose grace. We see here that obedience is necessary. It's completely the first thing we need to do because that is what it means to love God. Say it with me. John 14 and 15. 15 and 14. First John. All of first John really tells us. To love God is obedience, And then even to expound further on that, obedience and sacrifice, they really shouldn't go without. One doesn't actually go without the other because God calls us to a sacrificial type of obedience. You can't sacrifice and not be obedient because it's kind of like trying to bribe somebody when you didn't do your job. But we really should be all the way committed to God to the point to where it becomes sacrificial to us. Sacrifice is not meant to be a get-out-of-free-jail card for obedience. It's to show even further submission to God, the God that we serve, the Lord that we serve, the one that manages all. It's to show that we are fully compliant with what he wants us to do and that we want to function how he wanted us to function and that destiny and purpose that he created us to fulfill. It's going that extra mile to grow sacrifice is necessary and we just need to make sure that we do it with obedience first not just sacrificing for no reason so Romans 12 1-3 says the following I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me that to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according hath God, as hath God dealt to every man a measure of faith. So we see here it's not about us. But instead, we see the following in Colossians 3, 1 through 6. It says the following. If you be risen in Christ, so we are transformed in our mind, seek those things that are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, Your members, which are upon the earth, fornication and cleanness, inordinate affection, even conspicuous covenantness, which is idolatry for which things sake. The wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. We also see another thing in Galatians five and twenty four. They that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its affections and its lust. Now, all those verses I just read there, that sounds like a lot of death. And that's because that's what it is to be a living sacrifice means we have to give up our ways because you won't receive a grace if the flesh lives. We have to make sure that we die to our flesh. We have to die to our own will. If you haven't listened to this episode at Disciples Desire, I go more in depth into that. But we have to be a living sacrifice. So we're living, but we're also dying in a way because something is getting given up while we're living in Christ to This is what it means to live in Christ. However, there's more to the story than just this death. So 1 Corinthians 15 says the following. So starting with verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which ye also are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, your, you first of all, that which I have also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, which is Peter, and then of the twelve, 12 disciples, and after that, he was seen of the 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, and some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, and then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me, who was Paul, and as one born unto due time. For I am the least of the apostles that I am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. But, by grace by the grace of god i am what i am and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain but i labored more abundantly than they all yet not i but the grace of god which was with me therefore whether it were i or they so we preach and so we and so ye believed Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain and your faith also is vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, and if so he be dead, rise not. For if the dead rise not, then Christ is not raised, and if Christ is not raised, your faith is in vain, ye are yet in your sins. Then they also, which are fallen asleep in Christ, are perished. And if this life only have we in Christ, then we of all people are most miserable. So if there's no resurrection, then doing all this is pointless. But that's not actually what this says in verse 20. It says the following, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept for since by man came death by man came also the resurrection of the dead for as in all died from Adam. So Adam he's the first man that sinned and sin entered the world. But even though that happened, we have grace. How? What does this verse say? So for as in Adam all die, but even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered the kingdom kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all the rule and all authority and all power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which is put all things under him. And when he shall sub- shall be subdued unto him that, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead if they rise the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? And why stand ye stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage it that me? If the dead rise not, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. But be not deceived, evil communication corrupts good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come thou fool that thou sowest, which is not quickened, except the die. And I want to just pause right here real quick. Quicken means to be made alive. So picking up in verse 37 and that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It shall, it a chance of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it pleased him and to every seed his own body all flesh is not the same kind of flesh but there is one kind of flesh to men and another kind of flesh to beasts, and another kind of to fishes and another to birds and there are also celestial bodies so spiritual bodies and there are also terrestrial bodies which is of the earth but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another and there is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars and for one star differeth from another star in glory so also is the resurrection of the dead it is sown in corruption and raised in incorruption it is sown in dishonor and it is raised in glory it is sown in weakness and it is raised in power it is sown in a natural body but it is raised in a spiritual body there is a natural body and there's a spiritual body and so it is written the first man Adam was made a living soul the last Adam was made a quickening or a live spirit howbeit that was not the first which is spiritual but that which is natural and afterward that which is spiritual the first man of the earth is earthy and the second man is the lord from heaven and that which is earthy such are they that are Earthy, and that which is heavenly, such are they that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of the eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. For when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, then this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall... Be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, be ye steadfast and movable always, abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the lord so that right there was a whole mouthful but what we see here is the power of grace grace is resurrection power which we got through christ grace is power we have power through his resurrection and we will one day be resurrected in glory now philippians 3 goes further and i won't read the whole chapter because i know i've read a chapter that had 58 verses right here it was a big mouthful but it's all important and i'll never apologize for reading that much because it says the law of the lord converts our souls we also know that the bible talks about how all scripture is profitable so it's going to be through the reading of the word that our soul is going to be converted our hearts are going to be changed our minds are going to be changed through the reading of the word so and even when you look at how the apostles preached they preached by reading a whole lot of word it wasn't all their own words but they were using the words of god so anyways i'm not going to read the whole part of philippians 3 but the part that is relevant here we need the grace of god to operate by faith so philippians 3 verse 10 says the following that i may know him who is him christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death so we know his power before we face his death we know his power and his resurrection power before we face suffering God gives us power so we will be able to endure suffering it's through his power it's through this power that he gave us that we are able to continue to proceed through our life. It is through this power that we face death, and death is that final enemy that this chapter talked about that we read in 1st Corinthians 15. Death is that final enemy that is conquered. So it's through this power, through his grace and through our love to God that we are able to conquer and overcome all the things that we have to face. Now, to continue on this topic, we're going to turn to 2nd Peter chapter three and it says the following this second epistle beloved i write now unto you in both which i stir up and stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken by the holy prophets and by the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they are willing willingly are ignorant of that, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water waters and in the water whereby the world that was there being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men but beloved be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness but it's long suffering which is a little different in patience he's willing to suffer long and to wait to, to us we're not willing that any should perish but all should come to repentance but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the, the which the heavens shall pass away with a great voice, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up, seeing then that all these things shall be desto- dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation, in all godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of the Lord day of God wherein the heavens being on fire shall dissolve and the elements shall melt with fervent heat nevertheless we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness wherefore brethren seeing that ye look for such things be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless And accounting that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. And also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction ye therefore beloved seeing ye know these things before beware lest ye also being led away with the air of wickedness fall from your own steadfastness but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to him be glory both now and forever amen so we see here that God extended mercy through patience and long suffering. God is waiting. So in that waiting for others and in that long suffering, we also have to learn to be patient. We also have to learn to long suffer because his, he's, we have to be patient with his promises because he wants everybody to be saved. He wants everybody to come to him. And that's why he's waiting. But he's not going to wait forever. So we see that he gives us a space to repent and he gives us also a grace know space to grow This is the way the letter ended but grow in grace and in the knowledge of the lord jesus christ so as we grow in that knowledge and as we grow in that grace we are going to grow in the lord it's very important i know one passage of scripture which it's in it's in isaiah 10 and 27 and this is talking about how israel was delivered from the syrian forces and how the grace was removed from the ruling power and given to the repentant remnant. It says the following Isaiah 10 and 27, and it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Another translation would say the yoke shall be destroyed because of the fat on the neck. This would mean that as you grow, your grace will grow as you grow. You will naturally start to break stuff as you grow in hardships and hardships increase so will your grace grow and your power will grow to be able to endure some hardships and trials what else does the bible say about grace what does grace do for us ephesians 2 and 8 says for by grace ye are saved through faith and not of ourselves this is a gift of god so through this grace we are saved through our belief And in our action, in accordance to the grace that he given us, not that we were able to do anything, but because we believed in his power and we believed in this opportunity, we are saved by that gift of God, that grace. Second Corinthians 12 and nine says, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities than that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 through 16 said the following saying then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens Jesus the Son of God let us hold fast our profession for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So this grace that we write about here in these last two passages is not a pass for sin, but it is strength to pass through and over sin. It's strength to pass and conquer sin. You're supposed to get strength to pass through the wilderness of sin and through temptation and get stronger, not to dwell in the wilderness of sin. You're supposed to get through it. And we see here even as Hebrews described Jesus when Jesus's ministry began he had to endure a time of temptation for 40 days but he through the grace of God and through his own power with because he's God he was able to continue through the temptation and continue in the time when he was temptation through the grace of God and similarly he's given us this grace and this power for example in 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 verse 19 when paul was talking about his weakness his the grace that god gave him was the thing that he needed in order to get through the weakness in order to get through the time of infirmity his grace is a power that gives us the ability to continue in what he has called us to do he is our high priest jesus he's our high priest and we can approach him and grow through His grace. It's not about our works, but it's about our love and our obedience to Him. James 4 and 6 says the following But He giveth more grace. Wherefore He saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So if you think it's about you, if you think it's about your work, you're still being disobedient. Self righteousness isn't faith, it's not belief, and it's not work for God. Now, Self-righteousness, it is a work, but it's the work of the devil. We are commanded by God to work for the kingdom. We're commanded to work for the kingdom and not to do our own. It's not by our own ability. It's by him. We must do so with remembrance that God gave us both the opportunity to work and also gave us the strength to do so. First Corinthians four first corinthians 15 verse 10 says but by the grace of god i am what i am and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain but i labored more abundantly than they all yet not i but the grace of god which was with me this shows the power we have is not our own when we give him full love when we are fully submitted to him in our obedience He gives us full power to labor and to overcome temptation. When we have 100% submission, then we are able to overcome. Then he gives us the grace. When we show that love, he gives us the grace to labor and to overcome, even abundantly labor. The issue is most of us are not 100% submitted in the love of Christ. But we have to remember Romans 8. No wonder why all things work together for the good of those that love him. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. But he only promised that things will work out for those who love him. When you simply do what he says, he will bless you. That's all he ever wanted. He's not impressed by you. But he wants to make sure that you are functioning properly in your purpose so that you can be blessed and that the blessing that he speaks over your life will actually come to pass as it should. Grace is power. Grace is justification. And it's given to those who he saved and he called. Second Timothy chapter one, verse nine says, who hath saved us and who had called us? With an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Understand that we get more grace as disciples who walk in purpose. Not everybody is called and has the grace to be a prophet or a pastor, but everyone has grace according to their own individual purpose. Our faith which is our belief and our actions must fall in line with this grace and destiny that he gave us. It's important we discover who we are so that our actions and our prayers and our ministering will always be fervent and effectual. We need this grace to be effective. We absolutely need this grace. So we see here that grace is a necessity. We see that grace is not something that we can necessarily earn but we can grow in and we can be submitted in it's not something that we deserve because god was always willing to give it to us we just had to be willing to submit to him that's all it takes and as we continually follow after him we're going to continually have grace and as we work in the purpose that he designed us for then as he speaks into our life that grace will allow the blessing to be multiplied he will allow our strength to be multiplied. So that is about all that I have here for today in this episode. But before I close out, I want to pray for each and every one of you that are listening. So let's let us pray. Our father, which are in heaven, hallowed be the name? And I thank you for everything that you've done for us. I thank you for every listener on this podcast. I pray that you would teach us to walk in your ways in accordance to your love. Help us to understand your love and to understand who you are, to know who you are and to walk in grace may grace be multiplied to every individual may mercy and truth be bound to every individual that listens to this podcast i pray that you would lead us all and guide us all in accordance to grace that we may grow continually help us to discover our purpose to discover what you have put us here to do and i pray that you will give us more grace and strength that is needed as we 100% follow after you. Show us the things that you want us to change. Show us the things that you want us to grow in and give us the grace to grow in it. I pray that your mercy would also be multiplied in your grace and your peace and your truth to every individual listening to this podcast. All praise and glory and power, dominion and wisdom be to your name, God. We thank you and close this prayer out in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna thank you guys all for listening to this episode. And I pray that each and every one of you guys have a blessed rest of your day and be sure to just tune in for next time. We have a couple more guest episodes and I'm even thinking about, I'm not for sure about it, but I'm thinking about starting a new series. So keep that in mind. So we'll just be on the lookout for that. But until next time, as always, God bless.